We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. It's 12 o'clock. I'm torn. I'm torn what to do. I was torn before I got here because I know the Christmas message should be preached, in my opinion, as close to Christmas, and so I never had any intentions on preaching Christmas to you today because we're going to have church on Christmas. And if you can't be here, that's we understand, and that's just between you and the Lord. But uh, I'm going to preach the Christmas message for the first time in a long time on Christmas Day. That's special to me. And uh, that's if the Lord tarries and, you know, the Bible said don't, don't say what you're going to do tomorrow. You don't even know if you're going to be here, but that, that's my plan. And uh, so uh, Sunday will be a little bit of an abbreviated service. We're going to honor the day and, and the time. Unless the Spirit of the Lord just blows us out, we'll stay here as long as we need to. There's a lot of things happening in your world, and we're going to be a blessing to some people after church and a lot of things happening. But we are going to come, and the choir is going to sing, and we are going to have about a 20-minute message unless Jesus starts speaking and just says, no, y'all going to be here longer than that. You're going to do more than that. And then that's what we'll do. Amen. I think the, the perfect gift, you know, the Bible says when Jesus was born, those three wise men came they came bearing gifts by the time you get past Calvary we are the gift and he's the giver so we belong to him he gives us the gift and we return it back through our praise and worship and so I'd bring him a gift on Christmas if I was you and that would be yourself amen for those of you I've already heard change your Christmas plans changed many years of tradition God bless you for that amen amen brother Jarek was a little bit in my notes this morning for just just a minute I started to tell him but I didn't want to shake him and uh, because the Bible said everything that can be shaken and uh, but I just kind of wanted to leave him alone and then he got away from him real quick so the Lord was in it and turned him away and I'm glad he did amen We're going to have a great time tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to hear from our children, our young people, our choir, some Christmas, some praise and worship. Then we're going to go have finger foods and snacks and drinks and fellowship. Brother David's already said something about it. This is our family. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's Let's just see what happens. Let's stand together for the reading of the word, and we'll see where this goes. There was a time in society, and it's called the Old Testament, and actually there's more time of human history biblically recorded of Old Testament than New Testament. And so a majority of the time that we're still aware of recorded, Christ was not walking the earth, and no one recognized him. 
No one knew his official name or his official capacity or when he would come or where he would come from. There have been some prophecies made. But the fact is, the world was always waiting on a Savior. Sadly enough, the people of the blood of Christ are still waiting on a Savior for the first time. And so there's people all across the world that still live in that Old Testament setting. And let me show you what one prophet said about it. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. No, this is not a Christmas message. This is a prophetic word from the Old Testament. Listen what he says. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, we all need all of that. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Folks, the church ain't going away. Till the rapture of the Lord, the church is just going to increase. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal, the heat, the fire, zeal means boiling point, of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Oh, that's good stuff right there. And then you move forward in the Bible. If the Bible was in chronological order and Malachi was the last one to speak, we would read that the Old Testament ends and the world goes into 400 years of silence. Just for a moment. I know you, you've stood considerably today and we'll, we'll be seated in just a moment. But imagine this. When the Old Testament book was closed... For the next 400 years, after one prophet after another said, he's coming. He's coming. He's going to come save his people. He's going to come. After 400 years, there's no axe heads swimming. There's no manna falling from heaven. No water being poured from a flint rock. God has not spoken anything to anybody in recorded history for 400 years. But there was the promise of a Savior. It don't seem right to have a promise and then go into 400 years of dark ages. But sometimes God is not on our schedule. Sometimes He's not really caring too much about our time. I want to read one little verse to you, one little passage, and we'll be seated. Found in 1 Samuel 11. Three verses. Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. That was a little outpost, God's people, a little mountaintop area. Encamped against Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes. And lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. Verse 9. And they said unto the messengers that came. 
Thus shall ye say unto the men of Jabesh-Gilead. That's the people that were surrounded and in trouble. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. By that time the sun be hot. Ye shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it to the men of Jabesh. And they were glad. I want to preach for just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Holding on today for the promise of tomorrow. Woo. Holding on today. The enemy don't have the ability to kill you. But he'll do everything he can to quit you. He don't have the ability to take your life. And anything he does do, he has to have permission. So everything that's happening to us is working for a better and greater end. He can't kill me. So all he can do is try to talk me into quitting during my silence. Help me pray right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You're an awesome God. Thank you for the touch we've already had in this place today. For the songs that have been sung. For the worship that's gone forth. Thank you for everything you've done. For the many blessings you've poured out on this church. And Lord, if we don't see folks for another service or two, go with them. Bless them. But surely bring us all back here tonight at 6 o'clock for a great time with your family, your children. And we'll be together then. Bless us and anoint us all to hear and understand. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's love the Lord one more time. Come on, just love him for a few moments. Thank you for standing so long. Thank you, prayer warriors. You're awesome. You're the best. Why not today? There's a very simple answer. It seems kind of passive. It seems even a little uh, elusive. It seems uh, almost wrong in, in some ways and sometimes when we seem like we're hurting so bad and we're reaching so deep for help. I've even heard the question asked, where is God when I need him? Where's God when I pray? Where's God? I see other people touched and blessed. Here is the thing. None of us are going through anything. Not a one of us. I didn't know you would be here today. I, I assumed there'd be more traveling. But none of us are going through anything that God has not allowed. Here's the problem with that. We have the ability to get offended and mad. But what we have to understand is there's a promise that this is going to change. Imagine how it felt for a group of people that kept hearing the Messiah's coming. There's a Savior coming. He's going to rule the government. He's going to rule the world. He's going to take over. He's going to cause everything to rise and everything to fall. He's going to bring his name. It's going to happen. And 400 years later, that promise comes. I'll tell you something. We don't live in a span of time of 400 years unless the Lord just does something supernatural. People aren't living that long anymore. We don't have that kind of time. But we know that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. And I, I want to I preach to somebody here for just a few moments that God knows where you're at. 
He knows where you're at and we have one responsibility and this king made a promise to these people that were at Jabesh Gilead while they were surrounded by the enemy there and they said the only way you're allowed to live is if we come pluck out your right eye that'll keep you from ever fighting again. All the soldiers were trained right handed and right eyed and they said if we can get your right eye you'll never shoot another arrow straight. You'll never throw a knife right. You'll never protect yourself. You'll always always have a blind side you'll always be a weak opponent and they begin to pray and they said we just need a little time and the word of the Lord said you go back and tell those people if they can just hang on until the sun is hot tomorrow I will send them more help than they ever I'm almost done preaching but somebody needs to hear me right now our only job today is to hold on for the promise that's coming to us tomorrow as sure as he said the trumpet of the Lord's going to sound he's going to touch you he's going to bless you he's going to heal you he's going to restore you he's going to put you back together again he's going to bring you back to your first love your job is to hang on till the promise comes I don't know that much about dogs, but I I talked to some people that know about dogs. And I've heard the old statement said and mentioned many times. And I've I've repeated it as though I knew that very well. And at that time, I didn't know that. But let me tell you something that I know. When you hear somebody say, you got to get a bulldog grip on this thing. There's a reason they don't say a Labrador or a -a Pickapoo or a Pomeranian, or even a Mastiff. There's a reason they say you got to get a bulldog grip. It's why those are the dogs that fight. It's why they're dogs that, that, that they find all over the world all the time in various fighting situations and they're considered a dangerous dog and it's supposed to be leased in the public and, and all kinds of uh, other business. There's laws written specifically for those types of dogs. Go look it up in your city ordinance. There's some dogs that when they're one of them that are considered a nuisance and you've you got to keep them in a certain area in a certain way. The reason people will say get a bulldog grip is because because the way that dog is designed, all the rest of the dogs to get another bite, they got to let go of that bite to breathe. A bulldog is designed where when he gets a hold of you, he don't ever have to let go to breathe. He's got an open, he's got an open passageway where he can just hold that bite on you till you bleed to death or till he tears you apart or till he destroys that animal he's after. Because anything else, when he lets up to get a breath, can get away a little bit. And after a little while, breathing will cause his prey to escape. But it's why people say, you got to get a bulldog grip. Why? You don't let go long enough to take a breath of the promise that the Lord has given us. Some of us are at the end of our rope. I told a man yesterday, you're at the end of your rope. Tie a knot on it. Get a bulldog grip on that knot and you hang on because there's a promise coming to your house and it's just your job to be there when the promise shows up. 
Some of you need to hear me. You're worried about your health. I understand that. I've been there. You're worried about your wealth. I've never worried about that, but I worried about more months than money. But I want to preach to somebody. If you just hang on for another day, get a bulldog grip, whether that's a day or a week or a month, there's a promise coming, and the Lord has said by the time it gets too hot for you to bear, right when you're about to crack, right when you're about to go under, and you have nothing else to do, nothing else to say, nothing else to pray at that moment I will send my angels somebody hear me I will settle your family issues I will settle your financial issues I will settle your health issues I will do it if you'll hold on today for the promise of I wish somebody would stand up and receive that I wish you'd stand up and say preach to me pastor I need to hear that See, you've been fighting so long and hell has tried to get you to the bargain table. If you'll give up your holiness, if you'll give up your standard of living, if you'll let us take out your right eye and make you a weak enemy, we'll let you travel. No way we don't make deals with hell and we don't sit down at the bargain table with Satan. We won't give up an inch. We won't give up an eye. We won't give up a hand. We won't give up a voice. We won't give up a singer, a dancer, a preacher, a worshiper. We will fight like a bulldog. Somebody ought to get excited with me right now. Our job is to hold on today for the promise of tomorrow. I I feel like just telling somebody something right now. You, ma'am, you, sir, you, young person, need to listen to me. If you'll do what you told God you'd do in 24 hours, I'm standing here flat-footed, square, looking at you. In 24 hours, he'll bring an answer. You can't have some subconscious hidden place where you can hide your little thoughts back in some cavity and say, well, if it don't work out. When you clean it all out, when you have what they call a flush, see too many times people that have issues and have addictions and have problems, the reason they end up back in the same situation is because they do like I did the first time I ever came to the Lord. And they put a little bit back in case he don't work. I walked to the altar of repentance first time in my life as an adult. I had some things that I needed to get rid of, but I made sure I had a little bit of that left because if I didn't find what I needed at the altar, that would still be in the truck. That's not sold out, folks. That's playing a dumb game. Come on. All we got to do is just say, all right, Lord, I'm done. If it, if, it, if it destroys me, if it tears me down, if they drag me by the hair of my head down this mountain, I will not give up my fighting eye. And the Lord said with a spirit like that, you go tell them folks surrounded at Jabesh Gilead that by the time the sun comes up tomorrow, I will have an army down here beating down everything Woo, some of you need to hear me right now. God is speaking to somebody. He's settling it. He's doing the words he promised. 
depression, I come against you in the name of Jesus Christ. You must leave. You must leave every child of God. You must leave this mind. You must leave our thoughts. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. You cannot have my victory. You cannot have my tomorrow. People start feeling washed up and lost and used and and come to a point to where something's got to break. I believe you. I've been there. But we've got to get this picture. There's been a promise. And if he can hold on to a 400-year promise and a 1,000-year promise and a 2,000-year promise and he can do it over and over again, he can tide you over. Till tomorrow. What do I got to do? I got to tie a knot in that rope and hang on for everything it's worth. I got to get a grip. Say, no, no matter how many times I've been talked about, lied on, cheated on, no matter how many times I've been worked over in a public setting, people have embarrassed me, broke me down, talked about my name, smeared me, no matter how many times I've been broke and had to call and tell them the payment would be late, no matter what, if I will say I am going to keep my integrity, I'm going to keep the fighting eye, I'm going to keep the fighting hand, I'm going to continue to live a pure, separate, holy, righteous life unto God. I will not bow down a little bit. I will not make a little deal. It's just an eye. Here's the problem. Once he gets the eye, then you're blind on that side and he can demand an arm. You never deal with the devil. Sister Beckham, remember how long I've been? I just need five or six minutes. 1 Samuel 11 and 1, Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all of Israel. You know what he was saying right there? I'm going to take your eye. I'm going to take your fighting ability. I'm going to make sure that, that you can't see out of your peripheral to have a fight in the future. I'm going to see to it that you're a reproach. You're an embarrassment to God. He said it. And the elders of Jabez said unto him, Give us seven days respite that we may send messengers unto all the coast of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers to Gibeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul. You hear that? We know his life ended pretty much in a failure. But listen to this. At this point in his life, the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. 
And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coast of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people that they came out with one consent. And when he numbered them in Basic, the children of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said unto the messengers that came, Thus shall ye say unto the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, <laughs> by that time the sun be hot, ye shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. And it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the host of the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered so that two of them were not left together. I think it's pretty awesome how the Lord said there was 300,000 and then 30,000 worshipers. That's a holy tent. That's the first fruit. There was 10% of the whole group that was the same equal amount that were worshipers. They weren't warriors. It's why it separated them. It didn't say 330,000 warriors. It said 300,000 and 30,000 men of the tribe of Judah. What does that mean? That means it started off something like this. 330,000 people showed up. Judah led everywhere all the time, even without weapons. So what happened in the beginning? 30,000 men surrounded, and they looked at the enemy that was trying to fight them, and they started singing, What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God. And all of a sudden, all of heaven broke loose, and they began to cut them men to pieces until the Bible said by the end of the day, when the sun was hot two men they were so divided and destroyed two could not walk out hand in hand there weren't two to confirm a lie somebody needs to hear me right now You've been going through a tough time. This Christmas is the worst. There's people that, that for the first time you're going to be sitting at a table with an empty chair. The enemy's going to come over you and say, you prayed about this. You love the Lord. You give to your church. You give of your time. You worship. You're, you're, you're something special. And look at what he does. But let me tell you something. Jesus Christ showed up late for Lazarus. I preached a message one time. Four days late, right on time. Late. He's already gone. He's so gone, he's stinking. What are you doing? You really want us to roll that rock back? Do you know what that's going to look like? Do you know what that's going to smell like? He said, move the rock. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He's wrapped in grave clothes, top to bottom. He's a mummy. And somebody said, get those clothes off of him. What's a dead man doing, a living man doing in a dead man's clothes? And the Bible said that Lazarus became an attraction after that. That more people came to see a living Lazarus than Jesus Christ. There's some of you that are a testimony. Some just want to come see. Did you really make it through that? They didn't come in to see Jesus. They want to see your worship at church. I want to see that rascal worship after that. Four days. 12 years for the woman with the issue of blood. 38 years for the man at the pool of Bethesda. Come on. 
a few miles for Jairus. Come on, just forget it. Your daughter's already gone, man. Don't struggle. Don't mess with the master. Don't toil with him any longer. Just come on. Our only responsibility today, if we feel like we're about to lose control, is to hold on today to the promise that's coming tomorrow. I wish only those people that need to hear this word. See, we make, we make things so easy sometimes. We give altar calls for everybody. And then you never take that walk of repentance. We say anybody that needs prayer, stand. And, you, and nobody ever knows you're sick. Anybody that needs this message, anybody that needs to hear from God, stand. Well, any human with a half a lick of sense knows they need God. So let me ask this to you straight and see if you got too much pride to respond. If you know you need to hold on today for the promise of tomorrow, I'm asking you to stand. And I'm already the first one standing. said it's going to be just like it's always been but I want you to hear me right now under the unction of the Holy Ghost under the authority of his name as the pastor of this church and the under shepherd of this great people called Life Point Church I want you to hear me right now that God has already stepped into your tomorrow you got to make sure you're there I wish some of you would get out of your pew right now and call it whatever you want to. But you'd take a walk of worship to this platform area. And this altar area. The singers are coming. And you'd begin to worship God. And get you another grip for tomorrow's promise. Hell says no. The world says no. The checkbook says no. The family says no. God says hang on today for the promise of tomorrow.